to to maneuver to the greatest version of yourself and it really does take alignment and all so many people are out of alignment with their own thoughts about themselves like simple simple things like looking in the mirror and hating that well if that's the if that's where you're at it's elementary right nobody if you're looking in the mirror not liking what you see nobody else is liking what they see when they look at you it's like you don't allow that opportunity to happen no one else is going to trust you if you don't trust yourself so all change begins with self all evolution begins with self and so if we really want to enhance this planet it's it's about us it's about what can we do to make sure that we're in ultimate alignment with ourselves because the more people that are in alignment with the self the more power that we have and the more power that we have the less force that we need going through reality and as long as all of us are reducing the amount of force that we need to exert onto reality the less fighting there's going to be cuz more people are just going to be in the flow and happy to see other people succeeding and this is how we can change the planet you got to accentuate the positive You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you all. And please remember, if you're liking the shows or even if you're hating the shows, to like, subscribe, press that like button, send us a comment and all that good stuff. Well, I have the wonderful Ra of Earth on the show with me today. Welcome to the show, Ra of Earth. Yes, happy to be here. Happy to be here, Karen. That's funny. Even if you hate the show, subscribe. <laughs> Get some remixes, make some commentaries on it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Send me send it to your friends. <laughs> send it to your friends. Ra is one of the speakers, another speaker of the upcoming conference in April at the Portal to Ascension conference. And I actually discovered Ra on Instagram when I was scrolling, you know, one night up in bed, scrolling to Instagram and just loved his stuff and reached out to chat to you oh, probably over a year ago. Uh, maybe, can't remember, time. And uh, we never got it together. And then Neil said, can you put him on your show? And I'm like, oh, there you go. There's a confirmation. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> and I showed my daughter your work on Instagram and she has, she loves it. So she says, thanks so much for telling me you've converted her to butt sunbather and she loves it. We'll talk about what that is. <laughs> <'Cause> like <laughs> A you lot can... of people actually got converted to that. <laughs> I haven't done it. I can't do it. We'll talk about what that is, but I live in the city Maybe surrounded we'll, by we'll blocks of flats and stuff. So there's just nowhere <laughs> I can do it without freaking out my neighbors. All right. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about Rava. Rava, known for being an incredible athlete in the world of hockey and CrossFit, making a transition into expanding consciousness when he discovered Kundalini Yoga. Ra found a spirituality that has grown over time, inspiring him to change his identity from Ronald Teasdale, is that how you say it? Teasdale to Ra of Earth. Yes. 
and we'll talk about that. Ra has been working in the health and wellness and consciousness space his entire adult life with degrees in psychology and exercise science. He previously owned gyms in downtown LA, Los Angeles, for 10 years. He's a teacher of humanology, all things fitness, movement, yoga, and ancient occult practices, which optimize human technology to live a more full spectrum life. Ra is the owner of Kriya of the Week, which offers a short daily practice for people to get into meditation, working with their energy. It is based on an accumulation of teachings from his many years as a gym owner and a lifetime of competitive athletes, studies in psychology and multidimensional energetic techniques from around the world. He considers himself to be still a student who is bringing as many people as possible with him for the ride, for the journey, with his teachings, videos and superfood knowledge. And your website is raofearth.com. So as I mentioned, my daughter thanks you for she you've converted her. Do you want to tell people a little bit about your journey and what your name means, Rara That was a pretty thorough bio, by the way. <clears throat> I don't know if I wrote that or what, but that was it's a, a lot. combination. I sort of mixed it up a bit, and yeah, I do that with people's bios. <laughs> okay, all right. So the name. I guess we'll start with the name. Of course, I'm familiar with the entity known as Ra, and I'm a fan of of the 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 books, the Law of One material. You know the 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 Ra books. I read them all. I, I would say about ten years ago, but my name is actually much simpler than that. I was going by Ronnie most of my life. So my birth name's Ronald. I was going by Ronnie most of my life and I own gyms. And as I was transitioning out of that, I wasn't really feeling like the name Ronnie was well-suited. So I went back to my birth name, which was Ronald. And for whatever reason, I spelled the name raw underscore Nold on Instagram, uh, as opposed to just Ronald. And I was out in the sun a lot, so so there is a little bit of um, admiration slash alignment with with the whole energy of Ra, and so my name is Ra underscore Nold, and Ronald just didn't really feel right for a while, so I got in a spirit. I got a spiritual name assigned to me, and the spiritual name that got assigned to me was Ravi Chander, and Ravi means essence of the sun, Chander means moon. And the person that assigned it to me knew nothing of me, like from a physical sense, but they dig into my astrology and apparently look into other aspects, dimensions of myself. And that's the name they came up with. So I started introducing myself as Ravi. Again, six months goes by, didn't really feel like it was solid. It didn't feel like me. So I just changed. I just was like, okay, Ra is part of every single name, Ronnie, Ronald, Ravi. And so I just chopped off the end of all those names and I came up with Ra and that's what I introduced myself of. And then the of earth part is just kind of like the Instagram handle. And it's essentially like I am of earth, right? That's, that's what I am. And I discovered a lot owning gyms, a lot of other stuff besides what goes on in the, the walls of the gyms and the power of the five elements um, you know, light, earth, water, air, ether, 
And so I was always outside. And so I really connected with nature. And so raw of earth became my Instagram handle. And then I I actually ended up changing my gym name. So now my business name is raw of earth. So it's, it's officially like an end, a business entity name as well right now. So that's how the name came. (laughs) Well, fabulous. I'm sitting here thinking I could change my name to car of earth. You can. (laughs) Because just before we started the recording, Ra asked me how to pronounce my name. And I said, Karen, not Karen, which many people ask. And uh, I said, K-A, I've got the capital K and A. The Egyptians, right? The Egyptians called the soul the car body. Yeah, the the part of us that reincarnates, that continues to reincarnate, it's called the car body. And, of course, the R sound is the sound of the heart chakra according to sound people that that sound the different chakras so the ah the ra the ka is the sound of the heart chakra so yes ah is allah god amen mm-hmm. um, right it's that it's that sound but it's it's the ka part of your name the that's very percussive duh, like duh, that actually sends that like your this area right here is kind of like a drum and when you do that percussive sound it actually does send the sound down to your heart and you are expressing ka from your heart and ya ya that's going up so that sends the energy up so it's still the ah so vowels are this primordial sounds the vibrations of the universe and then the consonants shape and direct those vibrations and ma Mm-hmm. so now my mouth is closed and that means all everything's going where all the way down to the belly that's why babies say mama madre mom it's not we like we listen to the baby and that's where that word came from because the baby's soothing the stomach it's it's like hungry so it's when it's hungry it's Ma, ma. it's trying it's making the vibrations go down and soothe the stomach so that's a little bit about i know you didn't ask about it but you started the subject so i'm just adding a little bit more on technology of sound because sound actually does have meaning and they're not just um symbols as they are in the english language they're just kind of like symbols but the really 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 old languages the vibrations of the language actually represent the thing. But I don't really know much more about how that works. I know there's people that know a lot more than I do on that. Well, that's fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. I've never, wow, wow. I never thought about the babies. They go, mama. What about da, da, da? What's the D do? Well, that's that's like ka. So that's in the heart as Mm -hmm. well. So it's, it's percussive. It's, it's kind of sounds like a, like a drum, duh, duh, duh. So that, that gets felt in the heart. Wow. Yeah. Cause we think they're, we think that they're saying, you know, mommy, daddy, but they're actually instinctively just sounding, aren't they? They just, they're sounding and it's having resonance within their little baby bodies, aren't they? Right. Yeah. 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 Dada, papa, those are all in the same area. And then if you think about like what, what do people do when they're elated, right? It's yeah, ha, right? Those are very open. Those are opening to the ah sound. Yeah, ha, 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 ha. It's all up here. 
right? Yeah, so it is yeah. crazy when you think about it, how just obvious it is. It's fabulous. Bloody fabulous. All right. What are you going to talk about at the Portal to Ascension conference? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just given one lecture and the conference is April 21st to 23rd in San Diego. What I find very interested in and, and what I've studied for probably more than I've studied anything else is the concept of psychology. Uh, that's what I went to university for. And it's what I've been studying for the last 23 years, because I'm 40 now. So for 23 years, I've been into how our mind works, how our psyche, our psychology works, and and why people act the way that they do. And do we have access to the programming that we run? And that's a very interesting topic. That's what was running in the background be behind everything. That's what got me into consciousness and what else is there. And so I'm going to be having some exercises, mostly writing exercises or thought exercises that people can utilize to number one, become aware of the psychological programming that they're running. And then also a little bit of tools on how to tinker with our own programming with concepts such as like what we value and self-criticism, motivation. I don't have the whole lecture planned out, but I do have I do have a version of a seminar that's like three to four hours long that I'm going to condense into the 40 to 50 minutes that I have there that will take people through a little bit about their past, present and future and their psychology that they have intertwined in what happened in the past and how that uh, impacts how we feel about the future and what we perceive in future reference. Like we can only really perceive what we have the ability to see. And that's all just coming on what we believe because the mind is just trying to make sense of our beliefs and what's actually happening. And then that also impacts our future. So I like messing a little bit with time too, with people, because time is a, a fluid concept, it seems. Oh God, hallelujah. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. I'm thinking about so many things at the moment as you're speaking, but I heard you say, I'd like to get into a little bit of your story. Then we'll come back to what you're talking about into your story. I heard you say on Brian Scott's show uh, that you, even as a kid, you were noticing law of attraction, how your your attitude was creating your reality. And also that, you know, this fitness thing came really easily to you. Yeah. Tell us what happened. So those sound like two separate questions to me, but uh, let's just go with the, the law of attraction. The, the early, so first I have memories of, of knowing what people were going to say before they were going to say it, like almost like I could hear it. And I would admittedly say that I haven't figured that out yet. So it's still been, you know, 35 years since that started happening. And I still haven't figured out how to, to operate that part. Um, but what I have figured out is that what I, when I'm projecting, what I project out into reality usually gets reflected back to me in the exact way that I project out. And the earliest memory I have of that is riding around my BMX bike and knocking over garbage cans. And I remember 
one time I knocked over garbage cans, but it was almost like it was an amplified sensation of this is wrong. Because sometimes as a kid, you're doing stuff that is wrong, but you don't really have awareness of it, right? You're messing things up just constantly. But I remember this one particular time, I remember thinking, I shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. Like I had awareness that this was inharmonious to, to life and even myself. And I knocked over the garbage can and then immediately my tire kind of like hit the road, the, the area in between the road and the dirt twisted. And I flipped over my handlebars, fell down. And I was just like, did that happen? Because I have some sort of like control or manipulation of the events that are happening because I definitely was having the intent to hurt or harm. And then that's exactly what happened to me. And so that would happen every six months, every year or so I would, you know, be knocking over mailboxes with my hockey stick while hanging out my car window and miss a mailbox and like bash my car and be like, I meant to hit the mailbox, but I just destroyed my own property. How, how did this happen? And so I just started noticing that like whenever I had a negative intention, negative things would happen to me. And eventually I stopped having negative intentions. Right. And then I started realizing that like, if I'm washing a knife and I start thinking about like, this knife is very, very sharp. I better be, I, I shouldn't cut and like before I even finish the thought in my mind, I'm cutting myself. And and so this was all happening like before high school. And then I started experimenting and was able to do things like one year, my hockey team lost every single game except for one. And at the beginning of the next year, I was like, if I have any sort of control and I don't really vibe with the word control anymore, but I'm using what I was, the words that I was thinking back then, but like, if I have any sort of control over all of this, then I should be able to write something down in my notebook right now and it come true. And this was in college actually. So we lost every single game except for one, one year, the next year I write down, we're going to win national championships. And then that year we won every single game except for one and won nationals. And just the feeling of when I was writing that down, it was like beyond experimentation. It was like a feeling of knowing. And that feeling seems to, like I've seemed to be able to envelop that. It's, it's beyond words though but I've seen to be able to envelop that. And just every single moment of the day is, is that it's a version of that. And so that's a little bit about how I started coming into the law of attraction. And, and then I would say 2005, six ish. So after all this has happened, I saw the movie, what the bleep do we know? And I think that was the first movie that ever like that was my first exposure to consciousness at all and then i was like okay i'm moving to california and i'm going to open up a gym because that's actually truly what i want i don't want to stay in michigan the weather here is not good there's not really good food nobody cares about fitness and so i i had enough trust in myself then that i could move across the country 
and just start from scratch and, and make it work. And I did. And obviously then I started developing all my skills, um, both in fitness, but all of this was in the background the whole time. So in the very beginning days of my fitness, though, I was at, I was at this party in LA and LA is a, I mean, I'm sure there's places like this where you live too, but there's, there's a few places in America where it's like a hot spot for people that are wizards. Um, but LA is one of them. And I was at a party with like legit wizardly people that worked for professional sports teams and could do stuff that no, like people aren't aware of is possible. Like one guy, he was, he could just put his hands on you and just suck out the pain and suffering out of your body. And his hand would turn into like a, like a Mickey mouse sized hand as he was doing, it would blow up. So you could actually, and then he would do this thing with his thumb, like, and then it would all discharge out. But I'm watching this guy do this. And he put his hands on my stomach and like his whole face blew up to like, literally like this, his eyes were closed in a matter of seconds. And he was doing this with professional sports team. And so anyways, at that party with all these like people that had all these superpowers, one of them told me, Hey, if you're operating a gym and you you're kind of into this stuff, don't like, he basically said, wait for people to ask you, keep it in the back room. Don't put it on the front shelf because you're going to distract people. You won't be able to run a sustainable business. People won't trust that this is real. And so I kind of kept it hidden, closeted li literally for 10 years while I owned the gyms. And then once I got out of the gyms, it was, then I just, I was into all of this stuff the whole time, but then I could basically come out in the open and talk about it in, in a way that people received me because I wasn't new talking about it. But I also have the skill of of teaching people because I taught classes every single day for for ten years when I owned gyms. So it's been quite a journey, and I love it. I love just like help like supporting people to realize that they have abilities beyond what they have been perceiving and and watch them create beautiful lives for themselves. Oh, I wish everybody was taking notice like you did. You know, wow, would it, wouldn't it be a different world if everybody started to notice, you know, the circumstances of their life have something to do with how they feel and think and it's not randomly happening to them and they're not a victim of circumstance. Like, wow, what a world we'd live in if everybody had that consciousness, right? Right. And the kick, the, the pushback I get on that is immediately people, and I'm just saying this because somebody might be thinking it in their head, or mm -hmm. if they try to explain this to somebody, immediately people want to go to, well, what about the kids being raped? Or what about the people being tortured? What about the abusive relationships? It's like, immediately you want to discredit why, you know, the, the, the little uncomfortablenesses in your life are for your benefit and likely caused by you and, and caused by you for a reason to, to create your own development in life, because we right. develop through struggle and challenges and they immediately just go into, but what about these extreme circumstances? And that's like this, the easiest argument to give, but if 
but if it doesn't apply to you personally, then I don't know if it's very valuable to do the what if game because the what if game is the like that's that's for everybody to figure out within their own circumstances and those extreme circumstances they're extreme and those must be some very very strong souls to have let's say chosen that lifetime to go through and they must be strong enough to go through it which is why they're going through it and I don't have the answers for everything and I don't think anybody does and uh, and I sympathize with the atrocities happening on this planet. But I also, you know, that's not my lane to to battle against that stuff, right? Like I've done the warrior sort of, I've been in the warrior capacity in my life. And right now that's not where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm with the everyday people dealing with everyday circumstances and people are struggling with everyday things. People are struggling with getting up out of bed and just doing their day-to-day tasks. So that's mostly what I'm referring to and and counterbalancing and discrediting it with extreme circumstances. It can be done, but also it kind of just makes it easier for people to not be responsible for their own life because of this other stuff happening. I don't know if that made sense. Kind of went all over the place. It makes perfect sense. And you said it, you know, you, we like, like a photograph, we develop through the negative. (laughs) That's how we develop. Just say life is all about photography. We develop through the negatives. (laughs) I never heard of that. That's amazing. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Uh, yeah, which is, a, is is what we talk about on the show all the time. Like I've had people on the show that have had the most unbelievable lives you can't imagine. And oh, you can't imagine MK Ultra torture, all that sort of stuff, like crazy. And then they've developed into this sort of like channeling the Ascended Masters type of thing. I mean, yeah, it's just all up, it's up to the soul. What are you choosing to experience? At the moment, one of my favorite teachers is a man called Michael Tamora. He's died five times heart attacks I don't know so and at the moment he's grappling with um, leukemia and he is a master on earth he really is but he is just exploring illness in every sense of the word and with all of it he's laughing do you know what I mean he's just laughing like he's on death's door one day the next day he's talking about oh my god I nearly died yesterday he's laughing through all of it yeah but he, he, he legit died twice Oh, he died five times. times. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking uh-huh. about other people I know that have died twice. And it's almost like they do have access to something when they go through that, right? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the first time it was he was with these enormous beings of light called them angels, whatever it is they said. They were, and they're all patting him on the back saying, oh, you, you did a good job. You don't have to go back. You fulfilled all that you wanted to achieve in this lifetime. Uh, and he said, oh, cool. And then he said the next question was, you know, would it be more beneficial to humanity and what's happening on the planet right now if I stayed in the body or if I help from this side? And he said, resoundingly, they all said, in the body. <laughs> so he said, send me back. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Damn. <laughs> well, thank you. In the body is where it's at. Right. And, you know, speaking of bodies, your body, when I listened to you speaking on Brian's show, Brian Scott's show, you were talking about how exercise and competition just came really easily to you. You just, you didn't really 
sort of struggle and train and sweat to, uh, to achieve amazing goals. Do you want to speak about that? When oh, now I see how it's connected. All right. Okay. So the way you just asked that makes sense now. So just like writing down the, you know, I will win, we will win because it was a team. We will win national championships. I I got, so I, I had gyms and then I converted them to CrossFit in 2009 when that was really popular in America. It still is, but it was when it was getting started. And I started competing once that they started having competitions and I was very injured from hockey. I have actually, I have, I, I don't like to verbalize it, but I have just have a lot of injuries. I'll say it again. Every time I say it, I'm like, I'm affirming this is happening, but I've got six tears and I have three tears in each shoulder labrum. Uh, I've got dead nerves. So I've got a dead nerve in my spine going down my left arm. I have a dead nerve. That's from a chiropractor injury. I have a dead nerve in my right um, quad, which is a very important muscle. The, um, geez, I'm forgetting the names of the muscles. I'm out of that scene. Geez. Anyways, very, very important muscle, um, especially in CrossFit. Uh, that's from a gymnastics injury. My hips are out of alignment. My feet are flat there. My ankles have been sprained like 10 times, like over and over and over again. And my body's very malfunctional to say the least. And so to actually work out in a gym hurts me. I pinch nerves in my neck all the time because my shoulders are out of balance. It pulls on my, my neck unevenly. So to train as an athlete is pretty much impossible for me, but I own gyms and my gyms are basically validated through competitions based like my athletes go and place high in a competition. It means that my training methods are sound. They work. This is how it was figured out 10 years ago. In, at least from a competitive, at least in my own head, it was important. Who knows if it was important or not? Probably not. It's just people just want to have fun and do a workout. But for me, I'm like, compete, compete, compete. So there's, so I was like, how? So every year I never really trained. And then the competition, competition season would come along and hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world would, would compete in, uh, in, a, in events that were unexpected. So we didn't know what to prepare for, but everybody had to do the same events. And for year after year after year, for like six years, I would be in the top few hundred in the world, like place in the top few hundred in the world, I would make it to regional events that were very, very difficult to place into. And this would be after me not touching a barbell since the last year's events. So I wouldn't be training all year while all the competitors that I was competing against were working out from the time they get up to the time they go to sleep. I was going to the beach and just kind of laying out in the sun. And a lot of times I would be in the sun naked, but uh, just making sure just, well, no, 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 let me rephrase that. The naked stuff didn't happen until after I closed the gyms. But I was just going out to the beach and, and being out in the sun. And I started realizing that that gives me power. And then I started also using power of 
attraction and manifestation and just really identifying as a winner, identifying as the person that will be on top of the podium. And I was able to show up to competitions and the beginning was surprising to me. I, it wasn't making sense how I was able to beat. I would train gym owners from another gym who would hire me because I was you know, so good. They would hire me. I would train them all year. They would be working out five hours a day. I would train them for 10 months and then a competition workout would come out. They would do it. And then I would just do it for fun with no warm up and beat them. And we're talking about somebody who weighs like 30 to 40 pounds more than me, stronger, bigger, faster in all capacities. And I would somehow beat these people. I would go to competitions. I would win them. And it didn't make sense to me. And so the manifestation thing was part of it. But I really was like, what else is there? And I started realizing over years that it must, there must be some other power source that I'm getting access to. And that's where I started discovering research and a lot of a lot of information on the power of the sun, the power of grounding, um, the power like what water does, you know, the fourth phase of water when it goes into the body, breath work. And, and then the, the manifestation stuff, that's the ether component. That's getting access and, and trusting in the other dimensions, you know, and aligning that to our own energy systems and our chakras and our nadis. And once I started figuring all that out, I got really bored with the gym because now I was, I almost kind of didn't believe in the gym anymore. And that's when I really lost faith in my profession and i eventually ended up closing my gyms and then i just massively dove into the earth the air the the light and that's when i started like like i started going outside almost like somebody eats like for me i almost did this podcast outside i i i was thinking like should I just be outside because because me because it's been raining for a few days and the sun is like kind of shining through the clouds right now and I'm craving the sunshine because I I intake it like I vacuum it in I can feel it's not like how you swallow food but if you imagine swallowing food without the sen physical sensation of it going down but like the energetic sensation of intaking that energy, that's how I feel when I'm out in the sun with my feet on the earth. So I'm, I can, I can even taste the qualities of the earth, depending on where I am on the earth. When I go to a different state, I can taste, taste is just the word that I use, but I can taste through my feet what the earth feels like or tastes like in that area of the earth. So yeah. Then I got like really into to that. And uh then I kind of came back to to reality and, and became a productive member of society because that can really take up a lot of time just sitting outside all day long and being under waterfalls and traveling around and just being. Um, but it was a cool part of my life. Oh God, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> just being, <laughs> just being. So what I was thinking when I heard you talk before is 
okay, maybe he's had a DNA upgrade from his galactic friends that spliced his DNA with, you know, uh, extraterrestrial DNA. Why is his body so, like he doesn't need to train and then he wins all these things. But I think there's a few components going here, uh, going on here. And the whole breath work, the visualization, the sun and the exercise, it's, you've got to put it all together. You can't just, you can't just do the, there's so many people that you see that do the workout and the exercise, even the yoga and the breath work, and then they hate their neighbor and they talk about their ex-boyfriend and how they hate them and they, you know, and all men are bastards and all women are going to do blah, 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 blah. And they're just engaging in this conversation of resentment and, and it's just they don't see the connect that the yoga and the breathing and the exercise and the sunning and everything is connected to the like how you're thinking the consciousness too right yeah i'm so glad that you brought that up because that's why i love the psychology stuff because our emotions are our vibration like that's that's what we're vibrating and like you said if you're doing the work but you still hate your neighbor or you resent your partner or you're going to a job that you, that isn't in alignment to your values then you're out of alignment and when you're out of alignment there's no power in your field and you know the heart math institute made the term i think they coined the term or somebody from their um psychophysiological coherence and essentially they demonstrate that the more coherent you are and they just use like mind and heart but i go just like you said into like what is your the actions of your body doing on a day-to-day -day basis how do you feel about your neighbor how do you feel about your partner how do you feel about yourself and if if the more of that can be in alignment then the more that the field that's resonating around you is going to have impact in the electromagnetic environment that we reside in including other people who are also electromagnetic beings and so the people that are in the most alignment are the ones that have the most power they influence the field the most and you see this if you just walk into like a, a sporting event right you have a hundred thousand people can be watching a soccer player a football player however you want to pronounce it running down the field and it's almost like they're playing the game too they are literally experiencing the passion of this this person who has been playing the same game since he was four years old and and he's got one target right to get the goal in the net and you have hundreds of thousands of people 100,000 people in the stadium and millions of people all over the, the world literally synced with this one person because this one person is extremely coherent and in alignment. And so this is what I'm talking about. Like if we, and I think what you're alluding to, if, if, if we're broken in there, you know, that, that guy running with the soccer ball is not thinking about it's not, he's not letting the problems of his life get in the way of this moment. And the more that we can practice that, especially in every present moment, and even when we face a problem, you know, a 
a problem's a challenge. It doesn't mean that it it shouldn't be there. It's an opportunity for you to grow. It's an opportunity for you to witness maybe something needs to be recalibrated. Then, then the more you know impact we're going to have in society, and you can be somebody who others are shaping reality around their reality around like people watch somebody on a tv or people become your customer because they're enrolled into your vision or reality starts to you know put the puzzle pieces together for you to to maneuver to the greatest version of yourself and it really does take alignment and all so many people are out of alignment with their own thoughts about themselves like simple simple things like looking in the mirror and hating that. Well, if that's the if that's where you're at, it's elementary, right? Nobody if you're looking in the mirror and not liking what you see, nobody else is liking what they see when they look at you. It's like you don't allow that opportunity to happen. No one else is going to trust you if you don't trust yourself. So all change begins with self, all evolution begins with self. And so if we really want to enhance this planet, it's it's about us. It's about what can we do to make sure that we're in ultimate alignment with ourselves. because the more people that are in alignment with the self, the more power that we have. And the more power that we have, the less force that we need going through reality. And as long as all of us are reducing the amount of force that we need to exert onto reality, the less fighting there's going to be because more people are just going to be in the flow and happy to see other people succeeding. And this is how we can change the planet, you know, just, just focus on, and it's not a selfish thing. It's a, it's a self fulfilling, you know, it's not selfish. It's like being, it's fulfill yourself, you know, put the, the life jacket on yourself first before you help your neighbor, because if you have a broken life vest and you're trying to take your skills of, of a broken life vest and you're putting broken life vests on other people, it doesn't really help them that much. We can go on all day about that, but yes, yes to it. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I was just thinking, I was just thinking, you know that the work you're doing with yourself is working. When you can see somebody achieving something, they've fallen in love, they've won the lottery or some some desire that you have, and you can be genuinely happy for them without feeling lack of yourself. Like, oh, I wish that would happen to me. I wish I fell in love. Oh, I wish I had that. You know, like if you can genuinely still extend that that joy out, like, wow, because you are me and I am you and we are one. So if you're having a good time, I'm having a good time. Yeah. I think what you're describing is pride, right? Like, if you're only happy when you're doing well, uh -huh. that's pride. That's not really happiness. That's mm -hmm. like, I, I won, I won. And then, and then when somebody else wins, you, your, your, your pride is, is now not expressing. And so there's anger and resentment happening. And so you're not, because you win and you're, what you think is happy, it's not really happiness because it wouldn't go away if somebody else win, if it was, it's, mm -hmm. it's more of like pride, which is right above anger. You know, you know what, you, there's an organization that uses pride uh, 
It's called the military. The military uses pride to sign up young men, and that's when they're very, very prideful, and they even use it in their tagline. I think, I think the army, the U U.S. Army, uses like, um, yeah, army pride is their is their tagline. There's there's they just they use pride, and so as we ascend through our own consciousness, we learn a lot about ourselves. And I feel like we have to go through the the bottom levels, you know, the the anger, the shame, the hatred, so that we have context of the the let's call it higher or ascended versions of those. I really love the work of David Hawkins. Um, I want to say Dr. David Hawkins, but I'm not sure if that's what he goes by. Um, in the the levels of consciousness that he lays out in uh there's a book power versus force if no but if people don't know his work it is david hawkins right i think so power versus first is it is david hawkins it is david hawkins cool yeah it's a brilliant book someone asked me to read that years ago but it, yeah it's a brilliant book i also want to say one thing you said like do, do i have some sort of activation or dna upgrade the thing with me is that all of this stuff I talk about, I had to experiment because I don't really experience it. I know lots of people that are like psychics and have all these access to other dimensions or their past lives, or they died and crossed over the other side or, you know, whatever it is, there's lots of people that have these abilities. I feel in my heart, what I feel is that I spent my entire childhood, I spent 20 years as a hockey player. And most of that time when we could start being physical, my role on every single team was to hurt the other team. And so I feel that I have, I'm in like the top 1% of 1% of head injuries in all of hockey. Cause every single game, every single moment I was focused on hurting somebody else and I would use my body to do it. And so my head has bashed onto so many other people's skulls and the boards and their shoulders that uh, I feel that I've got some um, blockages, let's just say, so that I really have to use trust, like really have to use trust and experimentation because I don't know if this stuff that I'm talking about now is real because I don't have, it's almost like I'm blind, but because I'm blind, I'm able to see more somehow, somehow, but not experience it. Um, I just feel like I had to try harder, you know, to do everything, like to meditate, to feel these energies. I just feel like my body is, is really, it's beat up from being a, used as a physical machine and, and a device of pain. Um, so I've really had to do a lot of work. So I don't really feel like I have any special connection. I'm just a regular person like everybody else who is able to experience extraordinary experiences in my life because I trust that these realities exist and I take steps to experiment with them. Like, if this is really true, can I, you know, if this is really true, for example, if this is really true, can I really close my gyms 
and quit working for however long I want to and still live the same lifestyle that I've been living as a business owner, still date the same quality of people, women that I was dating, still eat at the most expensive grocery store in the world three times a day, still live in houses at the top of the Hollywood Hills. Is it possible to do that if I close down my business and not worry about money? Well, if everything that I think is true is true, then it should be able for me to do it. Just like when I said, can I win competitions without working out? Can I, can, can, can I win national championships after just being the last place team in our league? So just starting to ask the question and an and and easy one that I love to have people ask is, is to just know that there's going to be a parking spot at the front when you get there and just start with that experiment because you will be surprised at how that works out for you. How that works out. Oh, there's so much I want to say to you. Oh, okay. How do I put this? So I think the challenge that we overcome as souls incarnated in, into a human experience is overcoming our fear. So a more conscious person, a more connected person, a more connected person to their guidance, to their soul, to their higher self perspective is somebody that can overcome their fear. And all that you've said, is it possible? Like so many people stay in jobs they hate because that thought of could I really do what I like and make as much money and survive and, you know, like it floors them and they don't and they don't leave their job or because of the fear stops them. So what you're saying to me is that you, in all of this, you say that you're not psychic or tapped in, you totally are, but in all of this, you didn't let fear stop you. I think I'm really good at, at, at handling fear because I was a very small person playing in a sport of hockey where everybody else was bigger than me. And I had to deal with fear of physical harm every day. I played hockey every day. And being the smallest guy in the ice, I had to deal with fear probably more than I had to deal with any other emotion. Fear so, and trust. You know, trusting that the universe or life has got your back. It's this survival. It's base chakra stuff. It's like survival. If I leave a job that's paying me so that I can survive, pay rent, eat, whatever, go out and party, will I be able to survive? You know, like, because the, the narrative is don't give up your day job. You know, like that's the narrative. Like, don't follow your dreams. Don't give it. You won't survive. You won't make it. You don't go out to Hollywood and become a star. It's not going to happen. Don't try and be a singer. Do you know what I mean? Like that is just a really strong narrative in our collective consciousness. And that that fear grips so many people. And so it's it's overcoming fear and trusting that the universe has got your back. Like all spiritual teaching says, God loves you, whatever, you know, however, whatever religion or spiritual is like you are loved. There is so much love here for you. And it's trusting that that's true. And trusting that, that. Right. I mean, some have said that love is the, is what permeates all, all of the universe, right? It's the flow of energy and fear is the blockage of that flow, right? So fear can be seen as quite literally the opposite of love 
right? So a lot of people think anger or hate is the opposite of love because we say, I love this, I hate that. But really fear is what stops us from experiencing love. Fear is the opposite of love. It's what blocks us down. And it's definitely as humans, as animals, we are programmed to keep ourselves alive. So fear is a, a very strong emotion to keep us safe, right? If we didn't have fear, we would cross the street and get ran over by a car. So fear causes us to either not, well, fear causes us to look both directions, right? But if there's too much fear, then despite what we see, we're just never going to cross the street and experience what's on the other side. And so there's a lot of television programming, stuff fed to us on our devices about all of the horrible things that can happen when we get up onto that street. And people are addicted to those things. That's why they keep on feeding it to us, right? Because people, you know, if it bleeds, it leads is the, is the, you know, the media saying. So people are addicted to watching what could happen to them because we've got this, there's responses in our body that make us addicted to those, to those dopamine rushes that we get when we see somebody else being mutilated or see somebody else being just harmed. We actually, we, we get a spike of very addictive hormones and we become addicted to that. And then when we face the street ourselves, even though it's a clear day, clear street, we're like, oh no, 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 I don't want to go that way. And it's very easy to turn these streets that are wide open into gates. Like now we're, now we're imprisoned into our life because we just won't step into the direction of our desires. And I would say that it's not fear and failure. You know, people fear failure, but it's because they think failure is failure. I mean, failure is necessary to succeed. Like, do we remember riding a bike? You, and if you forget that, go try and ride a unicycle, which I've taught myself. Like, because now you're not just falling left or right. You're falling forward and backwards. And you have to fall backwards or forward or left or right to realize, okay, I need to position my body a little bit more in the other direction so I don't fall in this direction. Then you fall in that direction. You're like, okay, now I have to do this. And, and it's all of those failures that you start to know how to navigate through life. So it's really just relearning what fear is and failure is and actually embracing fear because fear will take you in the direction that you haven't been going. And that's likely the direction that has the biggest prize, you know, whether you fail or not, that's that saying, right? what you seek is in the cave that you fear the most, something like that. <laughs> I don't have everything memorized. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So as I, as I tune into you, what I feel is like your purpose here on earth is because like I was, like everyone is, like we're so body focused especially when we're younger not so much when we're older because the body gets old and you know we're not so sort of into the pride of looking good and winning competitions but when we're younger we are I really feel like you know you're capturing that audience that that younger audience that is sort of like health and body focused and bringing them into the consciousness space because um yeah that's what I feel like you're doing because because you've had all that 
gym and competition background and now you're openly speaking about kundalini and activations and you know law of attraction and everything what do you think do you feel like that's what you're doing yeah i mean i feel like that that was i felt i felt available and capable of doing that you know because there is a point where I had to switch my brand, you know, all yeah. anybody knew about me was that I exercised very, you know, oddly, even when I exercised, because I couldn't really train, I would just do weird, I would ride a unicycle or play on slack lines, I wasn't really doing training, I was I was just playing with stuff, climbing trees. And so yeah, just weird stuff. And then I and then I you know, started talking about being able to design your reality. And, mm -hmm. and I felt like I could put it in a way that people could digest. And I also feel that I was able to teach people very complex movements in a very simple way. So for me, if somebody doesn't get it, then it's, it's valueless, right? And yeah. some people, some people even leave comments on some of my Instagram posts where they like reiterate what I say. And it's so complex that I don't even understand what they're saying. I'm like, man, this, like, I can't even make sense of this. Like, how is anybody, how, like, that's why you have 13 followers because nobody can, can get what you're saying. If we can just make it simple and there's a, there's a forklift concept for anybody who's a teacher out there that I like to use because a forklift meets people where they are, right? Like a forklift goes like the thing that goes up and down, it has to go to the level of the pallet, stick its forks into the pallet, lift it up, and then it can lift it a level or two. And so when we're speaking to somebody, we can't be speaking about time not existing if there, if if that's a concept that they've never considered and, you know, they're still right. afraid that they're, you know, whatever. Yeah, so you lose people. You if we say, where they are. Yeah. Life is an illusion. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Like we can't like, so even if it makes so much sense to us, we really, it's, it's the same. Like right now I teach sales to people and everybody just wants to talk about this is so good. This is so good. We have to learn about the people and that comes by asking questions and listening. Mm -hmm. And so we meet the person where they are, whether we're educating them on this stuff, we stick the fork in there and we, from that point, lift them lift up them. one level or mm -hmm. two, if they can handle it, but we can't be talking at level 13 if they're at a level two. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the important part of teaching is that we have to really know our audience and it gets more dynamic on social media because you, you're kind of speaking to a camera lens and you don't really know who's out there. But Well, this is true. But also your, your vibe is going to attract your tribe too. So you're going right. to attract people, even if they don't understand you, they are at your level. This is what I found of 30 years of teaching. Even if they don't understand, like some friend of a friend sent someone to me and I'm like, I had no idea who this girl was. And I found myself talking like going there. And I said, have you, you know, have you heard about these concepts I'm talking about? And she goes, mm, kind of, not really. My mum talks about it with David and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it's like, but there is, there is a level of attraction of what you have to offer people want, even if they don't understand it. So, yeah, it works. You, do, you, you, you can start at their level, but you can lift them really quickly is what I've found. 
You can lift them really quickly because they're ready for you. They're like ready for you. And if they're not ready for you, then they're not listening to you. They're listening to somebody else that's talking at a different level. Yeah. 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 yeah but can. I want to get I want to get into sun and hair and skin before right, we right, go. Right. Because because you're someone that has beautiful long hair. And so you do grow your hair. Let's talk about the three levels of the, this is something I studied as a naturopath and I heard you talking about on Instagram. I'm like, yes, he's got it. You know, the three levels of the uh, endocrinology, like when the embryo is forming the three levels of the nervous system. Do you want to talk about that? Isn't that amazing? Because it's right in front of our face. That's what I found. So I had to reteach myself science. There are some things that were blatantly, let's just say, uh, if they're saying blue, then there's some things that are like blatantly red, even though they are saying blue in the textbooks. But there's some other things that are like, oh, it was taught to us this way. We should know this, but it's not. It's like people aren't like bringing it in. And one of those things is like what the brain and the nervous system actually is. And if you go back to the embryo where the sperm enters the egg and, you know, there's the zygote and that's one cell. And then that cell divides into two cells and four cells and eight and 16 and 32. And eventually you have a clump of cells that are all identical. We can't really build a human being out of that. So those cells separate into three different types of cells, which are called germ layers. And please correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, you probably have more <laughs> study on this than I, than I do. But the reason why I started learning about it was how the body's connected. So there's a book called Anatomy Trains, which talks about this. And because there's three germ layers, there's the uh, ectoderm, ecto means outside, endoderm, endo means inside, and then mesoderm. I forget what meso means. But uh, the mesoderm is our muscles and bones. They end up being, those cells on that germ layer end up being our muscles and bones. The endoderm ends up being our digestive system and the ectoderm ends up being our brain and our nerves. And I'll explain how it becomes our skin and our hair. I'm just looking for three pieces of paper right now to try and do a demonstration, which I don't think I'm gonna be able to do. Yeah, I'll do it. One, one second. So I have my gym bag over there. <laughs> so I have uh, three socks. So if we were to imagine, remember I just talked about mesoderm. So this is mesoderm. Might not be the most attractive demonstration. Then then endoderm is our is our digestive system. And then we got the ectoderm which is the brain and the reason why i was learning about it in this book relearning about it i should say even though it was taught to us all in ninth grade was because what they're saying is that ligaments and muscle and fascia goes through the the mesoderm and the other things and as we go into a human we're all connected is basically the argument they're making and showing and demonstrating it but right now what ends up happening is these start to curl it's not exactly like this but they start to curl into a ball and as they curl into the ball, we have the mesoderm, the endoderm, and the ectoderm is right here. This is our brain. The innermost layer is our brain. What ends up happening is the brain starts to wrap around all of it. 
And so now we got the brain in the very middle and what was the brain cells also wrap around the entire thing. So now we've got brain tissue, brain cells, I should say, on the outside, even though they're not brain cells, but the things that become brain cells, then we've got the muscle and the bones. And then in, in the very middle now, we have both the endo and the ectoderm, the digestive system and our brain. And so what was that wrapping that wrapped around? Like, why did that wrapping have to wrap around? Because that's our skin. That's our hair. So that wrapping was the nervous system wrapping all around our body. So our skin and our hair are extensions of the nervous system. Our eyes also are a part of the brain. They're in the brain. So everything on the outside of our body is an extension of the nervous system. And so everyone can very easy, easily see that when we have the sense of touch, right? Like, of course, there's senses on the outside of our body. That's where our senses are. So that goes into our brain. But there's other things in our skin and our hair that are vital. And one of those things is melanin. And melanin, if you just Google right now, melanin superconductor, melanin is being used in computers. It, it conducts light. It, it brings light from point A to point B. And melanin is also on the inside of our body. So it's on the outside of our body. Melanin is what makes our skin dark. It wouldn't, it's what makes our hair dark. And there's different types of melanin. And there's neuromelanin. There's, there's melanin in our brain, in our nerves. And so what I have, this is an assumption because I don't have a laboratory where I'm using it, but I am using, I am looking at research, but my assumption is that light is coming in and it's being intaken through melanin in our skin and it's going through our nervous system into our brain. And it's been demonstrated in a book that's called Light Medicine of the Future by an octopus eye doctor and he simply lays out how the light hits the melanin in our eyes and that our eyes are both for seeing and registering light we see this in animals that's how chickens know how to mate right because the light changing during the day so every day our body's registering light through our skin and our eyes and you guys have heard of things like the circadian rhythm right? So your body's telling itself when to go to sleep based on light. So this is not, this is not far-fetched. This is all, we should all know these terms. So in this book, he talks about how the light goes into our hypothalamus and eventually meets in the pineal gland. What does the pineal gland do? The pineal gland produces melatonin. What does melatonin do? Sometimes I get this screwed up because it's melanin, melatonin, melatonin, and they sound similar probably for a reason, right? Melatonin gets released by the pineal gland when we sleep and we experience it as dreams, but that's deep sleep. Melatonin goes through our body and recalibrates all of our tissues, all of our cells. So the information from the sun is coming in. And it's being converted in the pineal gland to the stuff that goes and makes us new again. Are we are, all right? So we're following there. So we can optimize this process by being out in the sun as opposed to indoor underneath artificial light, which does not have the full spectrum of sunlight. So 
the information coming into your eyes from your screen is much different than the information coming into your eyes from the sun. And so especially if you're staring at your screen all day long, go outside to fill in the gaps of the light that's missing from the spectrum because there's a lot missing there. And then we all get taught that melatonin, sorry, melanin is just this pigment that serves no purpose except to block sunlight. And my answer to that is the more that we're out in the sun, the more melanin gets produced in our skin. And that's because it's there to take in sunlight. It wouldn't get produced if it wasn't getting sunlight. So as we get out of the sun, less melanin, the body's not going to waste resources on melanin that's going to take the light into the body. Now, there are some people that are extremely white and don't really have the ability to produce much melanin. Those people have what? Lots of freckles. What are freckles? Little blotches of melanin. So their skin isn't so capable of producing like a full coat of melanin like my skin is or start like uh, highly melanated people have because they're not speaking from an evolutionary standpoint, which may contradict some other standpoints that I have. But speaking from an evolutionary standpoint, if you're from areas where they don't get a lot of light, they there's... There's a there's not so much need for a lot of melanin. So I I I don't have the science yet on like what a freckle is and why super white people don't tan like we do. But there are different types of melanin. I know that like very very pale people still have melanin, but they, it's like their melanin's almost like they clump together. And I would assume because that attracts more light in a clump than it was if they. If the, actually I'm figuring this out right now, this is how I do things, people. And then I go and try and find the uh, the research to back it up. But if you would imagine a clump of melanin in a very northern climate like uh, Norway, a clump of melanin is probably going to attract more light than if those little pieces of melanin were spread out and just like in a pale skin. So maybe I will prove that that's the reason why extremely pale people have freckles and get freckles when they're in the sun because it because that's the way that their body's used to intaking very little light but now we have airplanes so they're living all over the world so it's a little kind of out out of balance for them but anyways i'm saying all this because get into the sun our skin from my perspective is a solar panel and we've yeah. got a lot of energy and the like if you have the ability to get out naked a few times a year at least and you will feel like a different person because like getting sun where the sun doesn't shine regularly is your body welcomes it so much and this isn't this isn't science that's hard to put the pieces together it's just science that we 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 aren't exposed to yeah and as you say we did learn it at school i did learn it as a naturopath the, especially the the three ectoderms endoderms parts of the, and i remember thinking why aren't we taught like why aren't we taught more about the body in school like we do a bit of biology but we really should be full-on anatomy and physiology in our school systems but there's, there's just okay so the hair is 
is has melanin in it and so it's it's um it's being you know it's absorbing sunlight it's absorbing sight so that's why you've got the long hair the more hair you have the more you mm. can absorb power so it, it just makes me think of the samson story right mm. like samson had long hair and his power was in his hair when they cut off his hair he lost his strength isn't that interesting right. this sort of story this myth that we have and right. so if you're bald and you don't have any hair you've got hair on other parts of your body that can be absorbed the light and that's what you're saying get naked get out in the sun and also the base chakra which is which connects us to the earth which is about our physicalness like that never sees the light of the sun so that's when you do the butt bathing right is like yeah. activating that base chakra and connecting you and yeah yeah i mean think about the areas of our body that does have hair they're the pretty important areas of our body yeah i mean even like go down to our root level like even our sexual organs like if you're a mat like so and then even our perineum like there's hair in these places this is this is these are like strings attracting light and then if you're mating and going through the process of sex like let's say beyond mating that's like if you imagine hair as like wires they're they're like transferring information and there's an energy arc that can be produced through obviously like the penetration that happens skin to you know the the skin to skin but also like the hair the hair serves a purpose there's hair in our legs there's there's hair even like in our the the eyebrows. We normally are like plucking this stuff out. Women are shaving their their legs. They're shaving their where's the armpits? Like this is like direct access to her heart, right? So hair has function. It's not just to be cut off. Even though a lot of us do look a little bit better if we if we groom ourselves in certain way. But to not know one time in your life what you actually look like without grooming yourself i feel like that could be a regret that comes up when you're 80 90 100 years old when the stuff that matters to you now doesn't matter to you then like i would just encourage everybody like see because that i used to have my mustache down to the bottom of my chin right here and i didn't even i barely groomed it but when I looked into the mirror, when we were earlier, when we were talking about alignment, like a sensation of this is how I was designed, exactly how I was designed without me intervening at all. It's a, it's a great feeling. And I, and I know that other people sense that within me and within other people who are also living that same way. It's not something that we have to do our entire life. I eventually shaved, I shaved just a, a few months ago for the first time in five years. My hair might not be on top of my head forever, yeah. Um, but it's been seven years and like, I just invite everybody, like, let it, let it all go for a year. At least you'll, you get to see yourself it's, beyond it's so society's version of you. I'm thinking about this so much more in depth than I have ever before. Uh, like I'm thinking about animals covered in hair, right? How strong they are, how physically fit and strong they are. I'm thinking about as we age, we lose our hair everywhere. Like you're not old, you don't know. But as we age, we lose our hair everywhere. Women on there, like I don't shave my legs anymore. I don't have hair on my legs. Like we just everywhere we lose our hair. And as we lose our hair, 
we lose physical stamina and strength too. It's so interesting. It's just so interesting, the whole correlation of hair and physical vitality. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. It, it's a representation of what's going on in the inside, right? Mm. Yeah. And then when it comes to like being authentic, people are like, oh, I can't do that. Like, think about going into a forest and looking at a tree that was all gnarled and, you know, crooked. And nobody looks at that tree and says like, that's an ugly tree. Like we, we don't look at animal, like your uniqueness is what makes you beautiful. Like that's, that's, it's you that's, and when we can learn to love ourselves as we are, it's going to make it a lot easier to love yourself in all areas. Yeah. So for people that don't have as much hair as you, like I'm thinking of men that have gone bald or people that are older and they've lost their hair, you know, getting out into the sun naked and exposing the underbelly of their body to the sun is a, is a, is a way of regaining that physical vitality, like, because the skin and the hair are the same thing. I remember Deepak Chopra said, speaking about this concept of the, which, which is it? Is it the ectoderm, which is the, the, yeah. the ectoderm, if, if you get a brush, and you brush your skin in the shower or you brush your skin, you activate your nervous system, you clear your mind, your mind becomes more online, it becomes more clear, more present, less, yeah, by brushing your skin, like activating the skin, yeah. Exactly. Skin brushing is amazing too because it's got a little bit of pain in it and it's, <laughs> it, it's sharp, like you feel it, but it goes away after you do it a few times. It stops being so painful, but it definitely... And even your hair holds in a lot of energy. And so washing it, even just with water, it does wonders. Like that's why waterfalls just feel so good because the water is just, it's like taking, it's just cleaning the energy from your body. So that's like getting in a river feels different than getting in a lake for that reason that it's like one directional flow. It's just pulling everything out of you and, and refreshing you with with nature essentially and a, and a shower is essentially a waterfall to a degree mm. but uh what you were saying about like if you don't have hair you know like i like to use the concept of a vacuum and i learned that from montak chia i was in a small room with him and he was teaching us how to breathe in through our bones and he was using the concept of a vacuum. The less that we breathe in through our mouth and nose, the more that we can pull in energy through our fingertips and our toes and spiral that energy into our bones. He was calling it bone breathing. And I use that same concept. Like for instance, if the sun isn't out for a, for a while, like there's sunlight in everything. So like, am I able to extract the green spectrum of the light from the leaves that I see? And we can notice the gaps that we have inside of us and, and pull energy from these, these, like we can pull energy if we notice that there's missing, if there's a gap. So when we do go out into the sun, as opposed to, you know, most of the time we're, we're looking at everything like a masculine way, like looking 
into things, looking at things. It's like, what can I do to reality? If we can open up and be more receptive, almost feminine, and we start noticing how we can receive things like sunlight, things like earth, and we pull it into ourselves. Uh, I found a lot of luck in that. So I wouldn't want anybody to be discouraged because they're going bald. Like use, like just, just pull in energy from, like you said, from other areas of the body through your skin. But if you actually are witnessing and focusing on, on uh, it's, it's the void. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm looking and I keep on looking this way because there's trees and there's birds dancing around in the trees right now. But, but there's, if we, if we actually do notice the void that it can actually help us fill it with, with light, which is an interesting concept. Fill the void with light. Oh, honey one. It's been fascinating. We could chat about this stuff all day. There's just so much to talk about. So tips. Get that butt out in the sun, <laughs> brush your skin if you haven't got any hair, grow your hair. I'm just thinking about people like me who take the melanin out of their hair. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that, leaving the melanin in. But I have yeah. to say, isn't it interesting? Like when I grew up, always running around with bare feet, in the sun every day, I remember the narrative starting, the sun is bad for you. You're going to get skin cancer. Like we used to slather ourselves in oil and lie on the beach all day. And then probably when I'm a young adult, the narratives start, don't do that. And the baby oil disappeared and the oil and like, don't go out in the sun. Everyone's covering them. And so the whole fear around the sun started. You're going to get skin cancer. I remember my mother did get skin cancer and she said it was because she liked to be in the sun all the time. But you know what? She had a lot of emotional trauma going on. <laughs> was it the sun or the emotional trauma? I mean, well, please. She used, did she use a lot of sunscreen? Ah, oh, look, I don't remember. She died a long time ago. She died of cancer when she was 50. And that's like over 40 years ago. So, But there was just a lot of dysfunction in her life. I don't think it was the sun that killed her. But this is the narrative that we've been given around the sun, you know, this fear. Of, like I go to the beach here in Sydney and I see people neck to toe covered because, you know, with these skin suits because they don't want to get the sun on their skin. They don't want to get burnt. They don't want to get skin cancer. So what you're saying is the complete opposite, and I totally agree. When I'm out in the sun, and I got a, and I have a suntan, and I'm touching the earth. I feel so much more vital, and alive, and healthy, than sitting inside, yeah, under lights all day, yeah, because I do sit yeah. inside a lot. And mm. definitely, people shouldn't be getting sunburns ever. So we're able to travel. We're a like a global species, so we're able to travel to to maybe where our body's not adapted to. And we do want to take it easy when we go out into the sun because the sun is powerful. It can stress, it can burn us like quite literally. And if you're burning, then that's damaging to the body. But it's really easy to see a lot of the things that they say cause cancer are actually the things that prevent it. Like yeah. the things that they say prevent cancer are the things that cause it. Like mm -hmm. for instance, sunscreen causes cancer. Like that's very like it blocks a that blocks the portion of the the light that burns you but there's still other light that goes into you so that gives you a false sense of safety and you stay outside for much 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 longer than you should while the sun's still baking deep deep levels of your 
dermis of your skin, the deep levels of your skin. So you just don't know it. It doesn't mean that you're being safe. So sunscreen causes people to do that. So do sunglasses and like things like mammograms, like those that caught that radiation causes breast cancer. So if somebody's truly afraid of cancer, I urge them to do a couple hours of research on their own, as opposed to just listening to the blog post or the news because there's a whole agenda i mean we can go on and on about that but i know we could go on and on i remember reading sorry no i was just gonna say like empower yourself with different perspective and make a choice make a choice i remember reading in the seth books years ago like when i was in my 20s you know this um this mammogram thing, you know, get checked, check yourself every day, like for women, checking for lumps in their breast. And Seth was saying, if you're looking for it, you're going to find it because you're looking for it. And the and the the whole process of looking for something means that you're creating it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, that just blew my mind when I was in my 20s. So hence, I'm in my 60s now, never had a mammogram, never checked. Here I am still healthy, strong, you know, not looking for it. And if I've got it, well, I've got it, but not looking for it and worrying about it. You know, Anita Morjani, you've heard of her work, don't you? No. Oh, she had a near-death experience and she became one of Hay House's um, most sold authors in that she was into, she was a vegan, she did yoga, she meditated, she did all the things that you're supposed to do so she wouldn't get sick because she saw her sister die of cancer, her best friend. You know, she saw these people get cancer, so she's not going to get cancer. So she got cancer and died. And on the other side, she spoke to her father, her dead father and a spirit guide who said, you created it through your worry. Your focus on not having it created the cancer. And then she went back. Obviously, she came back to her body and became a best-selling author. The message was, go back and enjoy your life. Yeah. Stop stressing about getting sick. Because she did all these things, yoga, exercise, veganism, meditation, to not get sick rather than to enjoy her life. So the paradigm shift is whatever you do, do it because it feels good and you love it rather than to not, to avoid some illness, you know, to avoid some yeah. yeah, I know we got to go, but you mentioned Seth. And I just want to say one thing that like a lot of what I base my life off of is having a perception of multiple realities, like parallel universes, basically. And I don't really view myself as going through one reality in time, mm-hmm. but all of possible reality Seth Seth calls it calls it aspect realities mm-hmm. Bashar kind of says that we're all like in our own individual bubble and we can peer into other realities right. and the Mandela effect suggests that we have all shifted realities and all of these things are different now and I'm just giving people things to look into Mandela effect is amazing because then you can see like maybe there is maybe where we do put our attention we actually hop into that reality where right this thing that wasn't going to happen is now happening. And that's where, that's how I've made a lot of sense of everything is that I'm not necessarily creating realities. I'm harmonizing to realities where things are a bit different based on where my 
my essence is pulling me towards. It's it's like uh, out of infinite realities, there's tension. That's what intention means when we're focused mm-hmm. on something. And you can, intention. if your intention is to not get cancer, then your intention with cancer. And now right. you're yourself into. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's 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 an aha moment. If your intention, intention inside, there's tension in. Intention. Oh my God, that's brilliant. Right. If your intention is to not get cancer, then your intention with cancer, that's fabulous. If your intention is to, yeah, I know. Because there is like, no such thing as not. You can't mm-hmm. say, hey, don't think of a, like, don't think of an elephant. Like, you're mm-hmm. going to immediately think of an elephant. So if you're trying to not get cancer, your your intention with cancer, you're, you're intending on cancer, mm-hmm. you should be you could be the invitation is to be in tension with health right. and that's like or joy or grace right. or source right. or infinite creative potential there's so many things that we could be dancing with rather than not getting sick and yeah well honey one uh it, you, it's going to be a joy to listen to you at the portal to ascension conference wish i could be there can't be there i'm in the on the other side of the world can't get mm-hmm. to your country yet but one day i will uh yeah so people that want to meet Ra and see him with his hair out because because you had it out when we started but you put it up put it up in your man bun right (laughs) and hear more of your brilliant teaching check him out well on instagram and all over the place have you got a youtube you probably have i think i do yeah raraverth.com you're on youtube instagram facebook you got it all going on there Right. And um, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'd love to continue this conversation maybe in our inner sanctum, which is our group sessions, maybe later in the year. Are you up for that? Cool. Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. Thank you so much for was super fun. Honor to be here. Thank you so much. Take care. What a fabulous conversation with Ra of Earth. Yeah, it was great. Because if you check out his Instagram, you know, he's he's a lot of fun. He's got a lot of fun stuff on his Instagram. And that was a really sort of, I don't know, scientific, sober, informative conversation. Yeah, that was great. I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed it too. I think it would be great to hear him speaking at the the conference, as I said, the Portal to Ascension conference in April. There'll be many more conferences, I'm sure. And we were just talking about him putting on some courses and and groups, you know, doing what I do in the inner sanctum. I think he's doing that as well. If you want to get in contact with him and learn more about his thing, he's fascinating. I think I found him through the the sun, the butt sunbathing video. He's got a video on Instagram where these you see these three naked guys. You're looking at them from behind, walking, and then you see them lie down and spread their legs open. You don't see anything, you know too rude I suppose but they're just they're putting their base chakra in the sun and activating getting that sun activation makes sense really really makes sense it's it's like letting the sun in where the sun don't shine where the sun doesn't get to Mm, it's interesting isn't it yeah and having that feeling that vitality this year this summer uh, we've had a very wet summer here in Sydney I have to say but when it hasn't been wet I've made a point of getting out there in the sun because uh, I feel myself aging and I feel the body <laughs> not feeling good. And I have to say, I have felt more vital this summer than I have for a while. Just getting out there in the ocean, grounding every day, getting into the ocean, being in the sun. It's amazing what a difference it makes on your vitality. 
on your sense of physical vitality, physical health. Yeah, it really does. There, there has to be, because I have been very focused in the spiritual, meditative sort of, and I can get very sort of heady, not too grounded, but getting out there and being connected with nature is just so important. It really is. Something I remind myself of every day. I've got to get out there today, get in the ocean before winter hits us because winter's creeping up on us now. Mind you, I'll be brave enough to still get in the ocean when it's cold. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, let me know what you thought about our conversation with Ra, Ra of Earth. I'm going to start calling myself Car of Earth now. Car, Car of Earth. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, I'm going to go. I'm delirious, delirious, delirious. Uh, what's happening? Inner Sanctum. Who's coming up in the Inner Sanctum? I don't know. You'll have to go check it out. We had, we had the wonderful Jake Cooper, Jacob Cooper on last weekend talking about all things afterlife. And he had a near-death experience and cognitive reframing. That was a wonderful conversation. Go and check it out. We've just finished that one. And who's coming up? Somebody couldn't do next month, which is April. Um, Sarah Breskman Cosme was booked in. She swapped with Frances Key. She's doing July. Frances is doing next month. Frances has just completed a new book called In the Company of Souls. I've had Frances on the um, show many times. I just love Frances and love her work. She is the scribe, she calls herself the scribe of the team books, A Mother's Wisdom from the Other Side. When her mother died over 10 years ago now, she started talking to her and her mother started channeling this amazing information. It really was more than her mother. It was the team, the spiritual team. The books are called The Team. It's about, you know, how we are not operating as one person. We're a part of a team, a spiritual team, as close to us as breathing is a quote from the books. And she's, she wrote another book last year. I had her on the show or, yeah, on the show. Was it on the show last year? And she's just completed another book, which is stories of her family and friends of extraordinary spiritual um, contact. It's a wonderful book. So we're going to be discussing that in the Inner Sanctum and also the team books. Of course, I always love to talk about the wisdom of the team books because they're just, I love them. My favourite books, some of my favourite books. So Francis is coming up in April. Yeah, we've just swapped that around. And Kevin Briggs is coming up in May. Love Kevin. Don't you love Kevin? And Sabine Ponsolet, who's an animal communicator from Dubai. She's going to get up at three o'clock in the morning to meet us in the Inner Sanctum. And so I hope some of you turn up to make it worth her wild. Mind you, it will be live on the platform uh, or it'll be, you know, recorded on the platform, some of it. So, yes, I'll get um, a few people coming up. If you want to see the rest of them, just go to currentswain.com slash Inner Sanctum and you'll find the rest. It'll be wonderful. I hope you can join us. And also, of course, I have the deliberate creation courses on a monday morning here in australia sunday night in the us and canada there are drop-in classes if you're interested in talking a bit like what we were talking about with Ra of earth you know, how we create our reality our focus our intention intention what are we intention with oh that was so interesting and meet the spirit guides courses where you get to meet your spiritual team you're part of your team or your higher self or your inner being or higher guidance some people see them as galactic beings some people see them as dead relatives some people see them as angelic some people like me see it as like a mob like a stream of consciousness that doesn't really have an identity but can you know create identity for my linear human mind to latch onto 
Uh, so yeah, we all do it in different ways. And that is a course that I offer. Well, wonderful. Okay, I'm going to go. Thanks again for listening and watching and sharing the shows and uh, pressing that subscribe and like button, all that great stuff. Remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already. See you next time. Bye for now.